Are you one of those people that has to know the end of the story? Has anybody in here ever read about a third of a novel and then just skipped to the end because you had to know what was going to happen? Has anybody ever done that? All right, be honest. It's okay. <laughs> There's no shame. All right? Are you one of those people that if you go with a friend to a movie or you're watching a movie and you've already seen it, you're like trying to tell them what's happening? <laughs> oh, this, wait till that explosion happens. That's going to be great. Oh, oh, they don't last. They don't make it. You know? <laughs> Whatever it happens to be, maybe you're just one of those people that loves to see to the end. This is a picture from the end. We started this series in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. God's plan for God's people. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And step after step through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, we have seen how the clear message of Scripture is this is God's plan. He, he wants to fill the earth with his glory and he wants us, his believers, his people, to be a part of that. And as we've been studying that, we have seen these magnificent plans uh, that God has, all kinds of stories, adventures, failures, successes, uh, kindness. And, and this vision this morning from Revelation, a, a book about the end of time, it shows us uh, part of the picture of how God's plans uh, come together at the end. Revelation isn't just written for the future. It's written to comfort us now so that we'll be able to understand God's plan at the end of time. It's our title this morning, God's Plan at the End of Time. All right, so this is a, a vision. Verse 1 of chapter 7, uh, John says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. And then in verse 9 that I just read, After this I looked. And so this is a vision that God is giving to John as these events of the end unfold. And I'll try to be very clear since we don't have slides this morning. I'll try to make each of the four points on the outline very clear. The first part, the first thing that we see from this vision is God's plan involves a lot of people. His plan involves a lot of people. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. A chapter before this, in chapter 6, we see God doing a lot of crazy things on the earth. A lot of calamity, a lot of chaos, a lot of trouble. It's a, a period uh, known to uh, end times uh, Scholars or terminology, it's known as the Great Tribulation. It's a great term to, to know uh, as these events unfold. And chapter, uh, chapter 7 describes people who have a role in the middle of that time of Great Tribulation. So specifically this multitude, this a lot of people, refer to people who make great sacrifices for God in a very, very difficult time. And the picture here involves a lot of them. We're just going to start right there. This is, in Revelation, the most difficult time that will come upon the face of the earth that men and women and humanity will face. And in the middle of it, there are a lot of people God is, has used them for a specific purpose. I want you to know today, if you feel like 2020 
is the most difficult time that you can remember, and a lot of us do, uh, maybe, maybe all of us do, uh, some of you maybe not, uh, but we can all agree that we, uh, we are in a time when things uh, seem to be more and more beyond our scope of understanding or control. Know that even though it is a difficult time, we are not alone. Can we just take comfort in that right now, that there are a lot of people in this vision, and even though God is bringing judgment and there are things that are happening on the earth, God has a plan and a purpose for people. I was just struck by that as I started into this. However difficult 2020 seems, friends, he's got a plan for you and a plan for me, and we're not by ourselves. Praise the Lord for that. I just found that to be encouraging. I hope you do too. Uh, That's the first point. We'll leave that. We'll go on. Second point. If you drifted, we'll get back. I'm going to catch your blank here. God's plan involves a lot of people, number one. Number two, God's plan involves a variety of people. In our current times, it is so easy to focus on what divides our neighborhoods, our backgrounds, our education, our income, what school we attend, our skin color, division, division, politics, division, division. Well, division gets headlines. Okay, if you watch the media all day, you're going to see division because uh, division and unrest and, and lack of peacefulness, it gets headlines. It draws people into the story. I want to point out today that God divides believers and unbelievers, but he doesn't divide his believers. God's plan and God's people that are operating in God's plan don't work that way. It's not about divisiveness. The multitude that no one could number was from every nation. Jesus commanded in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations. This word nation in Revelation 7, verse 9, is the same word, ethne, that we find in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. Every nation. They're all there, all tribes, all peoples, all languages. This picture should not surprise us. It should stand in, in marked contrast to our world and our society. And it should bring us hope and it should bring us joy that we can find if we are following God's will for our lives, if we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we can find unity with an amazing variety of people. Yesterday was the uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship virtual banquet. Virtual banquet. If you didn't watch it uh, yesterday or last night, uh, it's still up, yeah? Okay, you can go watch it. You might want to fast forward through the first five minutes or so. Um, That'd be a recommendation. But after that, it gets really good. And I'm struck, I'm listening to this presentation about Child Evangelism Fellowship and their, their president... Uh, is speaking on the video that they created for this. And he, he literally is just kind of going through and explaining. Uh, when I think of Child Evangelism Fellowship, and maybe a lot of you that have a history with that ministry, you think of uh, a backyard Bible club that happened on your street or in your neighborhood. Or, or you think of a, a good news club that happens at the local school. And we have this kind of limited view of how we think good, uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship impacts us. But 
watching that last night, like this is a, an organization that works around the world. They train workers and, and national workers in other countries and other continents and all over the place. And they're truly working with a variety of people. They got kids from all over the world wearing bracelets, praying that one day a good news club would happen in North Korea. I'm just moved by all of this. Watching this, this is... This is the gospel. I hope that we have this global view of our, our, our lives in Christ and our salvation in Jesus. I, I hope that we, we embrace this and that we, we look forward to this. I hope we get energized by God doing things in different types of people or different places. I hope that we don't get afraid or angry or worse. It's on my heart to say something challenging today. I hope this passage challenges our hearts that if we're holding things in here against certain races or certain types of people or we continually make comments about those people or those kind of people or those kind of people, I would hope that we see in here that God brings a variety of people as a part of his plan. And if you're holding on to those attitudes and those comments keep coming out of your mouth, I hope that at the very least you would start right now by opening up to the Holy Spirit and that he would disquiet that within you. That he would stir it up to a place where you don't like it because it's not of God and it's not of unity. I would encourage you if, if the Spirit is challenging a, a thought or an attitude or even something that is deep-seated in you, that you would repent afresh and anew and say, Lord, I want a different vision for, for my life in Jesus Christ. I want a different vision for your church and for missions and for the world. And ask him to give it to you and he will refresh you. He will do that. On my heart to say that this morning, as believers, we of all people should embrace a variety of people because we know that's God's plans and we see it in passages just like this. We've seen it throughout this series. Think back to Abram. It wasn't just so Abram could be the father of the nation of Israel. Okay? It was for all peoples. All families on earth would be blessed in the ESV. All nations would be blessed through Abram. Let that sink in. Let that, let that stir you this morning and challenge you. But also let it bring you to awe that God loves people everywhere and wants them to be in relationship with his son, Jesus. Number three. In case you missed the first two, God's plan involves a lot of people. Second, God's plan involves a variety of people. Third, God's plan involves a savior. Okay. Every nation, all tribes, and peoples, languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. All right, we're going to get into that language, before the Lamb. Verse 10 crying out with a loud voice, salvation. So uh, in this point about a savior, I want to focus on the language of them standing before the throne and before the lamb. Why this language of the lamb? If you're exploring Christianity, if you're new to it, if you're uh, viewing from home and you're not sure, why would the Bible call Jesus a lamb. Why would a vision from heaven include someone who is called a lamb? Why would that happen? I want you to know that God is a saving God. He is completely just. 
He desires to save us from the fate we deserve. Our sin is not just an inconvenience. It's not just something that we say when we stub our, our foot on the corner of the bed. It's not just a thing that we broke down. It's terrible. It separates us from God forever and ever. And it's in all of our natures at our birth. We didn't do anything to earn our sinful nature. We just get it because we're humans. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And and that sin, it separates us from God. But God wants to save us from our fate of being separated from him. He wants to bring us back into relationship with him. And he doesn't give us all the commands and say, hey, or you do it yourself. He sends his son to do it. I want to, to get the language of the lamb, I want to take you back quickly to Exodus. There's a story in Exodus where the Hebrew people are in Egypt and they want to go. They want to get out of the land. They want to go into the land God has promised them. They want to worship the Lord freely. They don't want to be in slavery anymore. And over and over God brings plagues upon the land of Egypt in, in order to try to speak to the heart of Pharaoh. But no, we see that Pharaoh's heart is hardened by God, that he is so opposed to the truth of God that he will not let them go. And so the last plague God brings on the land of Egypt is the plague of the firstborn which meant that on a certain night, the angel, the destroying angel would come and would kill the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Firstborn of, of families, livestock, everything. Everybody would be struck by this. They would lose the firstborn in the family. Except God gave specific instructions to the Hebrews, the Israelites. He told them, slaughter a, a lamb without blemish and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the sides of your door and the top and when the angel comes he'll see that blood and he will pass over that's why it's called the Passover he spared his people from the judgment and the fate that they would have deserved he spared them from that and this is a direct link to us of how Jesus fulfills that language those lambs that those people slaughtered, they were pictures of who Jesus would ultimately be. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 makes language in the New Testament that Christ is our Passover lamb. He's the perfect lamb who saves us from judgment. 1 Peter 1, 19, a lamb without blemish or spot, both referring to Jesus. And so both the 144,000 uh, Jews that we see in chapter 7, those of Israel, uh, and then this great multitude from every uh, tribe and nation in 9 and 10, we know that none of them are there in this picture because of their own merit. None of them. They are there because of the blood of the Lamb has washed their sins white before God. And that's the only way you and I will be there. It's not just for them in the end times. It's, it's for us. So God's plan involves a Savior. In the middle of the tribulation, the most difficult time in human history, God is saving people from everywhere for his purposes. I hope this helps us to embrace living in difficult times. We would know that the destruction that we deserve for our sin is covered is paid for, is sacrificed by Jesus, the true Lamb of God. And so in this year 
of breathtaking events beyond <laughs> human control and comprehension if you feel completely helpless or hopeless or destroyed. It is God's desire to cover you and protect you and to hold you in relationship. But he won't do that with a huge uh, force of weaponry or a stash of food and a bunch of friends or maybe some wild movie plot. No, he'll do it alone by the blood of the Lamb Jesus who was slain for you and me. Our God is a saving God. God's plan for God's people. We can't be a part of God's people without admitting our need to be saved and trusting in Jesus, our Savior. We can't do that. I encourage you, even today, if you have not trusted in Jesus to save you from your sins, you can trust him. Even right now, before I'm finished, attach your hopes and dreams for this life and forever to Jesus Christ. You will not regret it. I feel like that was awesome. I had a lot of notes on point number three, but point number four is just as good. God's plan involves victory. Think about this. So a lot of people, number one, a variety of people, God's plan involves a savior and God's plan involves victory. We are not just saved to feel a rush of forgiveness. We are not just saved to some experience where we develop certain patterns and behaviors in our lives. We are saved to victory. These saved during the great tribulation are pictured as victorious. Palm branches in this picture are symbols of victory and triumph. Think about what victory means. It's likely these people in this vision are martyrs who are killed in the tribulation, and God is giving John a vision of those who have sacrificed greatly and overcome persecution, even to the death. Think about victory and what it means. Sometimes victories come easily. I scanned the paper yesterday, or excuse me, the Ohio.com website, and I was looking for the most lopsided score from Friday night high school football. And I found this, Ironton 71, Cole Grove 0. Ouch. Those poor players from Cole Grove. I feel bad. I've been on the wrong end of that. I was on a baseball team in my teenage years that quit after the first inning because we were down like 22 to nothing. We got in our cars and went home in shame. I feel bad for the kids on this team. I feel bad for their mom who had to watch their babies get beaten like that. I feel bad. But that's a victory for Ironton that came pretty easily. I bet the coaches were playing cards and eating pizza in, in the locker room in the fourth quarter, just letting the kids kind of run the show. That's an easy victory. But when we think of victory, we don't normally think of that, do we? We think victory uh, is hard fought. And here's where the encouragement comes. I was up early yesterday morning pondering this last poem. It's kind of chilly. I'm bundled up on my couch and on my laptop. I'm thinking through this. And I had this rush of energy. 
it seems like we're defeated in so many ways, and that it affects us. Life is hard. But this tells us that even in the hardest times, God is a God of victory. Why else would God give this, why else would he give this vision to John? It's incredible. Read chapter 6. Read what comes after this. The things that you read about are terrible that come upon the earth, but in the middle of it, God gives a vision, not only of using people and not just of saving people, but of, of victory, of people who, who gave their very lives for Jesus Christ, and they're, and they're pictured not as shameful, they're pictured as victorious, and their robes are white, washed, clean from their sin by the blood of the Lamb. We should maybe stop and take note, too, that Christians all over the world and all throughout history have been people of struggle and sacrifice. If you're anything like me, you want it to be easy. You want it to come without difficulty. But the way of, of Jesus is the cross. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. God doesn't call us into suffering. He doesn't call us into difficulty. He doesn't call us into hard times or dark seasons without the hope and without the sure promise of victory in our lives. This is praise in heaven for salvation. They have no regrets of the sacrifice that they gave. It is praise in heaven for the salvation in Jesus' name. A challenge to close today. Do you think God's plan will work? Will there be people saved from their sins today, Sunday, or this week before next Sunday, or this month? Maybe somebody will get baptized the first Sunday of October. In our church, through our ministry, maybe other churches will baptize believers and will begin to celebrate dozens of baptisms and new believers and lives that are committed to Jesus. Do we believe that it will work? Well, it depends on how you view the world. God is clearly showing that his plan involves salvation and victory. How can we be a part? One, if you have not trusted Christ, trust him today. Let me plead with you as urgently as possible. Trust him today. Give up on your ways and your strength and your scheming and your power and give up on your sin. He wants to forgive it and he wants, you to, he wants to lead you to a life of victory. You can overcome the sin that is plaguing you even if it's been uh, weeks or months or years or decades. He can help you overcome the sin. He wants us to live lives of victory now and forever. How can we be a part of God's plan? If you've not trusted Christ, trust him, number one. Please, don't wait. Second, we can trust God that he has a plan, and it involves us, even if we can't see it, even if we struggle, and even if we suffer. Yes, that we would find joy in being people of the gospel, of the message of Jesus, that as difficult as life may seem, and however high the hurdles may feel, that we will find joy and peace in serving Jesus and taking the message of salvation and victory in Jesus' name to other people. Now that sounds vague, 
You might be sitting there going, what is my responsibility? Do I take the message of Jesus? Do I go on a missions trip? Do I have to get involved in a program or an organization? I want to just challenge you where you are. A step of obedience is to begin right now as we close our service to pray for somebody in your life who you know is lost. To begin to pray for them. We've been making this a part of our Wednesday prayer times. We've probably got a couple of dozen different names so far that we've just been praying for that people would come to Christ. Add somebody you know in your family, your friends, and pray for them. And then take a step and say, before the end of this month, I'm going to pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Before next Sunday, I'm going to pray for an opportunity. I'm going to take that step and I'm going to give them a call or I'm going to go to their, I'm going to go to their place and just pay a visit and say, I just need to share something with you that is so important to me because I care about you. Those are practical steps we can do to be a part of God's plan for God's people. I hope that we see God's desire to fill the nations with his glory. And I hope that we continue to respond. Trusting him to do the work, doing the obedience to which he calls us, and trusting him with the results so that he and he alone will get the glory.